This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, what's happening, everybody? Everybody enjoying our early winter? And we're up here in Minnesota. Anyways, um, don't rub it in if you're listening in the south. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I love winter, but I like my seasons where they're supposed to be. And middle of October is not it. However does get my brain starting to think about ice fishing and that brings us into this episode uh on today's episode you guys are gonna love it if you're ice fishermen if you're just fishermen i uh got on brian bro bros doll and uh, we had a great conversation uh i mean talking to him is like talking to my best buddy i dialed picked up the phone and off to the races i mean uh, he definitely likes to talk, and I just let him go. So uh, you're going to like this one. We cover a lot of ground. Uh, stay, for the most part, on track. Not really right. In the, actually, we think we start talking about hunting right away. Yeah, we did. We started talking about hunting right out of the gate, but then, uh, then we got it back into fishing. So those of you Jones and for some ice fishing, it's coming at you right here. This is Brian Bro, Bro's Doll on the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. the bro this is the bro is this dale <laughs> this is all right thank goodness it's not somebody selling or <laughs> we or could, making me vote some way <laughs> bro we could really use your vote uh right now as you know this is an important election <laughs> the balance of the country is on the line just make sure you got a mask when you when you call in and uh 
yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> but uh, it is. Did crazy. you shoot anything? Uh we got. Uh, what did we shoot today? Uh, hooded merganser, one ring mm-hmm. neck, and like mm-hmm. four snipe. <laughs> oh, just, you did get some snipes. Yeah, they were flying around behind us. So I was like, hey, those are fair game. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually, uh, I really like. Um, snipes or woodcock any of that stuff that that red meat is is kind of interesting to eat once in a while yeah i haven't opened up uh i haven't cleaned them yet and i've never had snipe so i mean i've had woodcock are they pretty similar yeah very similar but it's 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 rich tasting it's it's one of those things just put it on a kebab with some uh with some tomatoes and potatoes and Drink a lot before you eat it, and you'll be okay. <laughs> Drink a lot before you eat it. That's the key. That's for sure. Yeah. Something, you know, like low-lying low, low well, lying fruit like Windsor or something. I generally like wild games, so I'm, I'm, sure I'll, I'm sure I'll like it. I'm a bit oh, yeah. of a self-professed foodie, and I like to cook stuff. So uh, whenever I get something new, I always just like to put it in a pan. I keep it really simple, probably some butter. And salt and pepper. Yeah. I just want to see what it actually tastes like. I want to see what I'm dealing with, and then mm-hmm. do I want to enhance the flavor or am I covering up the flavor? That's what I need to know. <laughs> well, no, that's that's actually good because it's it is rich taste, and um, there's certain things you know. Actually, I I really really like them. I just I don't want to eat them all the time, but you know, roughed grouse, and then then you'll have that, and it's it's red, and it's. Uh, Richer tasting, and I, I think it's it's actually pretty good. Hmm. Well, I can't wait to try it. Probably be breakfast mm-hmm. tomorrow morning. Well, I don't know. I'll probably hunt tomorrow morning, so I'm not getting up and making, making snipe for breakfast. But uh, maybe I'll have it for lunch when I get home. So that sounds good. I actually for breakfast I had uh, coconut walleye. Coconut walleye, like actual shredded coconut. Yeah, and it's it's super good. And um, and if you know if you have the if you you know, do the the uh, flour egg um, shore lunch coconut, um, and then uh, you cook it, and then put some of it on a pan, and then freeze it, and then you pull it out, put it in the oven. So you, you cook it all and stuff. Oh, and, I gotcha. And I do it. And I do it in olive oil, and then pull it out, and you eat it, and you pull out like four, five, six pieces, make a sandwich with a little bit of provolone, um, and then like grill it like a panini and uh, oh, boy, coconut walleye is just so good. You can eat it for breakfast or on a sandwich. It's just unbelievable. I didn't know this was going to turn into a cooking episode, but I'm all right with it. <laughs> that sounds so good. That sounds so <laughs> good. Is. I could eat that anytime just because there's a little sugar and it's all that kind of stuff. But yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready. Yeah. I kind of rip on walleyes a little bit because they're actually kind of, I think they're kind of bland tasting. So, the, the yeah. coconut actually might might up it a little bit. It it changes it. It it really does, and um, give it a little sweetness to it. Yeah, and, and then perch are just too good to eat to do that. So oh, I use perch in like a red chowder, I, of course white chowder, but we I like more red because I like to spice it up, sure. you know, and uh, give it some kick. But no, it's there's certain things that are just really good. Yeah, I want to. Uh, one of the things I've been throwing around, I want to do it last year, and I didn't get around to it. Well, one because the ice was bad, or the slush was bad, or whatever. Never got around oh. to it. But I wanted to go chase some uh, eel pout, some burbot. Oh yeah. And then actually, you know, clean them up 
and take the carcasses and everything and, and reduce that to a fish stock and then use that as a base for like a, a bisque. And so, you know, they always call the old pout poor man's lobster. Well, in my mind, mm-hmm. I want to try a poor man's lobster bisque. So yeah. get that bisque set up, get that sauce, and then drop the cubes of uh, of uh, burbot right in there and see how that goes. And then the other oh. thing I tried this year that was really good, that in my mind's eye when you described the coconut walleye, yeah, is I had uh, freshwater drum, sheephead, for the first time. And, oh, uh, sure. Actually, was really good. It's really firm and had a little bit of a sweetness to it. So I kind of imagine like if you gave walleye some sweetness, it probably is going to end up tasting a lot like sheephead. It was actually very good. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Well, yeah, I had I had a client to keep some sheephead up at Red one time, and uh, and he, you know, I said, well, I said that's yours to clean. Then you know, <laughs> if you're going to keep sheephead, and he he cleaned them up, and he he said he brought them into the hoot and holler, and and they cooked them up, and had everybody eat them. Everybody loved them, but he never told them what they were. Well, that's the thing. A lot of people eat with their eyeballs, right? And they have their preconceived yep. notions of trash fish, too. And that was the kind of thing. I'd never really heard anybody that actually tried one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are like, oh, you can't eat those nasty things. And it was always nobody actually that I know of have tried it. They just repeat the same old thing. And I was out fishing on uh, Rush Lake this, this, this spring, early summer, uh, mm-hmm. fishing for bluegills, actually, and ended up hooking this pretty nice size sheep it was four or five pounds on my ultralight and uh it was a great fight and i was like you know what i'm gonna keep this thing i'm gonna try this out i've been talking about it and uh did it and it was it was pretty damn good well yeah and that's that's quality watershed you know and sheephead are quality usually around quarter quality water and uh there's lakes up here that have a few that are connected to red like black duck lake as a little tributary they get through i don't know through a couple boards in the dam or something but the lake has sheephead. The uh, the bow hunters k- kill the heck out of oh, them at night. Oh yeah, they must be very prolific uh, spawners because I have a uh, quite a few buddies that are bow fishermen and man, yeah, they mm-hmm. they go to town on those things and there never seems to be a shortage of them. Yeah, they do. Now when they get up into that eight ten pound range, those are really old fish. But um, uh, there's they're kind of cool. They're the kind of they're reddish in color like a, a saltwater redfish right. because they eat shrimp. And uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. And um, it's 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 a resource that's going to be discovered way too late, I think. Yeah, and that was uh, something I noticed when I cleaned it was that uh, – and I've fished for redfish quite a bit. Uh, my brother lives in South Carolina. I try to get out there when I can, which is usually only about once a year, unfortunately. But um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we keep those and eat those. And it's – when I was cleaning – the drum I was like, okay, this is, I mean, shouldn't be surprising. They are pretty much the, well, they're in the same family and not the same fish, but um, cleaning it, it was much like cleaning a, a red fish and the flesh seemed to be the same and actually had a very similar flavor to it. They really look a lot like the black drum in saltwater. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those, they look like the exact same fish, except for the black drum gets just stupid big <laughs> yeah they're and they're and they're full of tapeworms and yeah. bugs and grubs and and just like you know there's there certain fish in salt water that just seem to get into trouble and mm-hmm. uh like uh amber jacks even you know you really gotta freeze them and cook them just like you would a pike you know there's yep. they they have the, the tapeworms and stuff and i kind of take the extra time with the aj's and uh 
I'll cut, you know, most most of that warm action is in the tail section. And then mm -hmm. I'll, even from there, like if you get one that's really wormy and actually starts getting into the main body, they're so big. Yeah. It's like pulling spaghetti noodles out. I'll actually take a little time and, as, you know, because I'm going to cut them up in chunks and freeze them anyway. So as I'm kind of breaking them down into smaller pieces, I'll then, uh, I'll just fish those worms right out. And Oh, yeah, and they're, they're good. They're good grilled that's a grilling oh, fish for they're sure. a really tasty fish really tasty yeah. we had cobia for the first time this year we finally got a, a legal cobia this year and oh man is that ever good now i know what the hype was about oh good that's a it's a firm fish it's yeah. like uh has flavor too meaty yeah it's very good it was yeah we kind of did a taste test we caught a bunch of different things and we kept some kind of you know, less desirable fish that were just coming off the reef. I can't remember all what they were called, you know. B-liners? Yeah, different kind of grunts and just, you know, whatever, whatever we it caught. Sulfurs. Yep, 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 stuff like that. Like, well, we're just going to try it. And nothing nothing was terrible. You no. Know, a lot of it was just like, yeah, that tastes like fish. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's it's blah. You know, it's like most most freshwater yeah. fish, really, kind of boring. And then kind of worked our way up. And the amber, we did catch some amberjacks, and those are good. But I'd had that before. And then we can, yeah, we can I, I mean, I, I ate them. I just, uh, you know, yeah, there is some some worms there, so you have just like pike, you know, you just got to take care of it, and then yeah. then it works out good, you know. Yeah, and it's not like the little worms we get in our perch and some of our panfish and that. It's like literally, it's like spaghetti interwoven to that meat. It's like once you kind of get one started, you can pull that thing all the way out. It's like, oh yeah, well, and it's it's like rock bass. They don't they don't get the time of day around here, but. In some areas, they're sought after. And oh, you're talking to a, a rock bass aficionado. Yeah, they're 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 actually a a fish that's um, unsung, you know, and and it's, they're gonna be, um, you know, they will be appreciated eventually as the resources dwindle. But uh, well, I kind of don't want them to be because selfishly, I like that people don't keep them and they throw them back because the average size of rock bass are pretty good, and just about every yeah. body water they exist. <laughs> oh, did I lose you? Oh, there. No, I'm there. Oh, sorry, I pumped my phone. So I'm like, oh, did I disconnect my cord? Yeah, it's it. They're 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 their meat's real white, and uh, we've eaten them and and done taste tests, and and nobody's. The only complaint is uh, is their rib cage, and don't open them in summertime because they're they just have the the worst gas in their belly. Oh, well, you know? it would be like cutting open a smallmouth. I mean, they're eating the same thing. They're eating, you know, yeah. bugs and crayfish, and it's, yeah. You know, it's like when you it's, catch a smallmouth and it and it craps on you, you're like, whew, yeah, that's eating crayfish. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then, and then, if, then if you handle a muskie, and then if the mus muskie craps in your boat, you'll never want to catch another one again. Oh, really? Are they that bad? I've got them. I don't, oh. I don't remember being crapped on by one, but. Oh, we had, we had one that was just a 53 and a half that was just, 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 you could, it was like a small bucket you just poured across the boat and just rancid. <laughs> and then everybody that touched them had, had a gray slime burnt into their clothing, you know. It's, all, it's putrefied walleye is all it is, right? If you ask the walleye yeah. fishermen, it's all their, just the muskies, it's all they eat. As soon as, as soon as that doggone thing comes towards my lure, I'm jig or whatever. I got to get it out of the water. I'm like, no, you ain't pooping in my boat, big boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you are not allowed up. on the poop deck. 
we still catch them, and you're just like, oh, God, i got to net this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it gets the clients fired up, though. That's... Oh, yeah, and we've had some real close calls, and thank goodness they spit out the walleye. Or the One time we had an, uh, one that was on a 19-and-a-half-inch walleye, I know, because it was gone and just had the muskie there, and then it, it just, like, barfed up the walleye from deep down and i'm like wow that thing was like gone in a spell <laughs> wow he had he just he wasn't messed around he ate it and swallowed it right away and the thing was just gushing blood all over oh, like it i'm sure yeah it was it, that was re- really interesting to see in but they're you know obviously they're always around and they're they're fun you know i, don't know, I just oh, big I've, lures you know i've had pike uh smack fish i'm reeling and um Actually, ended up getting one in the net. I caught this little. It was a small, small, small mall. Probably, I mean, maybe right around twelve inches. Might even have been eleven. It wasn't very big at all. And this like five pound northern just kept taking runs at it, and kept hitting it and dropping it, hitting it and dropping it, hitting. He done it. He must have done it like seven, eight times. Finally, I was able to get the net in the water when he was clamped onto that small mouth and actually got him in the net. I was like, all right, you're going home with me. <laughs> I don't keep Northerns too often, but I'm like, you're just, you had it coming. <laughs> uh, that, that, poor, I, I, that poor smallmouth was just ripped to pieces. <laughs> I, I love it when people keep Northerns because they're the bane of my existence. Oh, yeah, they're the know. bane of most everybody's existence until you get good ones. You know, until they get big, they're just a pain in the butt. A big, nor- a big Northern's interesting. They're a little bit fragile. And, you know, even when I'm up at doing the I Falls Bass Tournament and, you just got this new lure on, and a pike, you hook them, you catch them, you land them. If a muskie hits your lure, it'll pressure snap it if it's real close to the boat, and or it'll fly out of the water and scare the, the <laughs> yeah. absolute yeah. hell out of you up there. They're just like wild, and they're, they're jumping beans compared to everywhere else. And I just, you just have to be ready because you could have a heart attack, you know, in your. And no matter how you try to get your lure back, if there's one behind it, they can always outrun your reel. It sure seems that way. Boy, they can really scream when they want to. I'm surprised some of the guys that troll for them on purpose, like the speeds that they're actually trolling for these things. I'm like, that is so fast. They rip a rod right out of the holder. Yeah, up to five miles an hour, some of these guys are are clipping. I'm like, that is fast. (laughs) Oh, they're they're out there all over right now. Vermilion, Mm. Brainerd area, and some guys are dragging big suckers and – it's kind of nice if they got a if they're using a circle hook, you know. That way, yeah. you, you're not going to damage it too bad, and you can actually see it, look at it, and hold it. And uh, but I got invited to go. That one guy had eleven in two days, and I'm like, Holy oh boy, smokes. I'm like, no, thank you. I don't, I don't know. I'll get maybe I'll like him again. I used to be a fiend, but <laughs> I, I just just lost it about. 20 years ago I, I don't know i i got i got hit in the back too many times by good anglers when they're tired and i'm like i don't want to do this no more yeah getting so smacked I, well, in the back with a giant bucktail that doesn't sound like fun or even, even a bulldog oh yeah <laughs> that's probably yeah. worse those things weigh about 10 pounds yeah I had, a, I had a spoon that slapped into my back and and there's the bloody shape of a spoon through my sweater and it was stuck there in Oof. I get slapped so hard and nothing, you know, nothing too bad. I'm like, well, <laughs> no, it's like, okay, I'm done with, you know, yeah. cause it's, it's not the amateurs. It's in it, a walleye jig doesn't hurt unless they're flipping a big puppet minnow or something else. Sure. And they mishap, but 
I'll tell you that, yeah, it's all fun. <laughs> I shot myself in the kidney this summer with a uh, flipping weight, <laughs> the oh. three-quarter ounce flipping weight, and I was in the shallow pads and just punching, punching, punching. Thought I or had a bite or thought I did and gave that thing hell, and that thing came shooting back at me, and I just, like, turned to dodge. It hit me right in the back kidney. I thought for sure a hook buried into me. It hurt so bad. I looked, and it just had a giant welt where, I think, where the weight hit me. I was like, holy crap, did that hurt. That that that's I don't know it really rings your bell too I I had a, a kid I I don't let kids wield puppets or any type of chicken wrap or anything but <laughs> the grandfather gave it to him because it was working and I, I told him don't do it and he gave it to him his first cast he whipped it like he's trying to go to a second breaker on a beach <laughs> yeah yeah he misfired and oh, it no. hit me in the eye socket oh just just on the outside on the bone. Uh, knocked my hat off. Yeah, I didn't. Have, the only time I didn't have glasses on, and had a had a string of blood go down the boat. And he t- looks up at me and he goes, "Oh, that's why you don't want him to cast it." Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a he was a goofball. I'm like, okay, that kid's grounded right, in the boat. Right <laughs> but uh, time out. You're in a time out. <laughs> there's people who just don't care when when they hire you. They're just like he just laughed. He goes. All right, all right. Just like, man, dude, I'm gonna throw you in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's the hard part of guiding, right there, right? It's like having to keep it together when, when the shit. Well, when you're sideways. feeling your eye, because you get hit so hard in the bone, your feeling makes your eyes there. Oh yeah. And there's blood all over, and then all of a sudden you, you like lift your eyelid, and they're like, okay, my eyeball's there, because you, you hit so hard, it kind of numbed it. Whoa. Yeah, and I'm like, because you see what happens to people out there. God, yeah. The Facebook photos, and I'm like, absolutely, never again. Always gonna have glasses, even if it's super dark, oh, cloudy. Some of those are so cringeworthy. I've seen some where the hooks are like all the way in the eye. You're just like, oh man, oh yeah, that would have went right through. Oh. That because it would have run through glasses too. I think so. It doesn't matter. It's just I told him why. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna start this podcast eventually. I mean, I am recording, but <laughs> uh, thanks for doing this. By the way, this is pretty awesome. Absolutely. You know what caught my attention, and I'll give one of your uh, sponsors a little shout out. Um, sure. I was just going through Instagram, and uh, you popped up, and I follow you, and I've, I mean, I've like a lot of people have been following you for years and years and years, seeing you in magazines and stuff. And uh, but it was the fish monkey gloves. Oh like, yeah, what are what are these now? And I was because I just went I went bass fishing last weekend and it was cold. It was very cold, and I was like, I need gloves. And then it wasn't you know my phone was probably listening to me because it wasn't it was shortly after that where I started seeing these fishing gloves and uh, and the ads and stuff. And I was like, oh well, there's there's bro, he's pimping those gloves I've been looking at. I'm like I'll have to check oh, those it. out. Yeah. The Stealth Dry Tech is the the newest one. It just came out, and I have them. And for those guys using bait casters in this temperature, they actually work. And can you feel the? Sp- you can actually feather the spool, and like when you're casting, you you, you can do all that. I had a little trouble doing a um, a, a uni knot um, with them. I I take them off for knot tying now, but I could do. I can. I could pitch, I can grab a rainbow out of a minnow bucket and double hook it. And um, just messing with minnows and fish, you know, rainy river style, 
they're just awesome, like a little raincoat for your hands. And, sure. uh, but I could tie, if you have a swivel and you just do a, a simple knot, you could tie, um, when you're doing, uh, fluorocarbon to braid, it gets, it gets interesting and, <laughs> be a little tricky. you know, but, but it's, I, I told him, I said, these, these are probably, well, I like the Yetis for winter. These are probably one of my favorite clubs. I, I, I couldn't believe what I've been through. 24 degrees in, in uh, putting minnows on. I never took them off all day. You, you, you know, even when I took a bathroom break, I never took them off. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because once your hands, if it's, it was, it's been raining and it's oh, yeah. like 34 degrees and you don't want to take them off and then bring moisture into them. Right. But literally you could do everything with them and, and, uh, but baiting hooks and, and people know when you're out there dealing with, uh, red tails, creek chubs, rainbows, they have a different slime to them and it just doesn't come off and it adds to your cold, your chill yep. and let it go in the glove. You know, I don't have to check those out. Cause like I'm good for once or twice a winter. I like to get down to that, um, Monticello area in the Mississippi, and, sure. Uh, catch those smallmouth and yeah, boy. And I like to go. Well, I, I'm I'm the I like to go when it's super cold, for two reasons. Oh. One, there's less people. <laughs> yeah. If I can go midweek when it's 20 below, that makes me happy. And two, there's just the sick twisted part of my psyche that enjoys being in the extreme elements. Like I am open water fishing in 20 below zero. Yes. I don't know why I like that, but I just do. It's just that knowing that you're one of the few people awake doing something that dumb is, uh, for some reason, it's appealing to me. <laughs> well, it's it's just fun to get out there. I mean, there's, you know, those those temperatures, I actually took some people out fishing uh, just, I can't remember what it was for, but we were out and it was minus 10, but windy, and... Um, you know, the Oof. boat was frozen to the trailer, and and there's so many people heading out, and this was up at Wheeler's Point up at Lake of the Woods, that they, they'd all get out of their car and come help, and they'd, like, step on your trailer to hold it down and detach it from the boat. And um, you're out there, just hope nothing goes wrong, but you're disappearing in, in snow, yeah. you know, when oh the snowfall comes in. But I didn't have gloves like this. You take off your 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 gloves, put them back on, take them off. Yep, yep. And then your your fingers are ringing the next day. But um, up there, they're they're all crazy. Whoever is up there, <laughs> they're absolutely crazy, and they're they're going to go around the ice scales floating down. And I guess I was one of those crazy people. But you know that's uh that it's and it was worth it. I mean, we caught fish. Well, it's always worth it when you're catching fish. But you you almost need a shovel in your boat. You know, I've oh, I've had God, that. I've seen some of those pictures. It's just gross. <laughs> the snow on the deck. You're just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that. And uh, so I've I've got a couple more days, and then uh, I'm going to be totally focused on um, getting ready for ice. Oh, I, I am. Well, I shouldn't say I'm focused. I'm like daydreaming about ice because this all this snow that's outside my window right now. It's like, come on, man. Uh, it's got to be up where you're at. There's got to be some small lakes that are dangerously close. Like down here, I think Sunday and Monday, it's supposed to be, you know, in the teens. 
I got you got to be in the single digits up there. It's it's getting close. The 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 trouble we have we had such warm water and it's just got it's a long ways happen. to go. It still has uh, quite a ways to go. The lake I live on isn't really a deep lake, maximum depth of nineteen feet, and um, there's no ice on it at all. Okay. But some of the lakes have bays that are frozen that are real shallow, like two three feet of water, a uh, ricey bays. Those are frozen, and hmm. um, it's close. And every lake's different, but the shallow lakes will freeze, um, and you know it, it all depends. Uh, where you're at there's a lot of lakes that are shallow and you can get out before any other lake um but after last year some of those lakes winter killed and have nothing but tiny fish in them um so i'm not in a hurry to get on a really shallow lake unless it's one that survived winter kill right maybe it's a flowage or something got something yeah coming into it and there's 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 other ways you know there's you know fishing uh marinas you know, where you could access a dock and then drill next to the dock where you're actually not on the ice um, or uh, inside turned, you know, on a backwater somewhere uh, that, that you don't even have to be on the ice. You're just drilling by shore and using a long rod, not, not a real long rod, like a three footer to, to fish it. And, um, but yeah, when it's, it's going to be a lot earlier this year if this keeps up. And, uh, and it's supposed to warm up a little bit uh, the first week in November, I I saw, at least down here back in the 40s. I'm just like, I'm a half hour north of the cities. So yeah. I'm kind of that central well, zone. That'll help the deer sleep all day while everybody's in their stand. Yeah, exactly right. They're all moving around <laughs> right now like crazy. I just, yeah. I pulled my cards today, and uh, a nice surprise. There's a, I got a real big one out there, but, of course, it's the middle of night. I've never seen it before. I'll probably never see him again, but... It's enough to keep me in the stand a couple more minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I was putting up uh, a deer stand. I don't have a skid steer, and everybody has one's all always busy. But uh, and uh, I got a lane out there, and I was jacking it up, getting ready to pull it up. And I noticed some tracks, and I'm like, oh, "Is that mountain lion?" And I started looking at them. They're bear tracks, oh. really big ones, and I could put my whole hand in there, and it's bigger than my hand so there's there's some bears still walking around yeah trying they're, to... they're probably going what the heck is with this snow too i mean they're i mean it's yeah. not uncommon for bears to be active through october at all like that's yeah i mean they're looking they're looking for the perfect spot to tuck in yeah you know i think this yeah this snow has probably got them going like what in the hell <laughs> and we can track them though <laughs> yeah right yeah for sure that's something I haven't uh, – I've tried it a couple times, but never super, super serious. But someday I'll give it a an honest go, bear hunting. But Yeah, you have to – it takes takes some time to get a tag. It, you know, the last time I bear hunted, I could just buy a tag. And now you have to apply for like three years. Um, well, and I'm pretty close to the no quota zone, actually. So I would just probably, oh. I would just hunt that. There's plenty of bird, there birds. There's plenty of bear in the – the area where I would go, so I wouldn't even bother with the applying circus. Oh, oh, so you, so you can. Uh, there, there are some different zones that. Uh, yeah, you, you, know, you get in the no quota zone, like the southern end of. I don't know where exactly the line is, but it's like southern half of Pine City. I think it's basically straight west. Then across the state is mm-hmm. no quota there. 
Well, there's a lot of big ones up when you get towards Hinkley to yep. Moose Lake. Yep. Uh, I've seen I've seen some big ones uh, just in the few minutes that I'm driving through some just hogs and there's a lot of them up here. I don't know why it's so strict. There's there's a lot of this spring we're seeing them. And when you're seeing bears all over the place, yeah, there's, there's a lot. lot. Yeah, because you just, you just don't see them that often. No, and they're they're very reclusive, but um, there's there's plenty of them here. Maybe hopefully they uh, think about loosening that up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Let's go and get a little bit of a backstory uh, from you, bro. It's um like I remember we got to be pretty similar in age. I think I'm 47. Yeah, I I've got you by a few years. By a few. Because I yep. remember when you're when I started seeing you on like magazines. Because I mean, again, this is like pre-internet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, you didn't seem like you're that much older than me uh, at the time. No, and uh, I'm I'm like a kid <laughs> that, that that doesn't realize he's same. looking more like like a like an old dude every day. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Where's this you know? gray in my beard coming from? Where, where? Who is that guy in the mirror? I don't recognize that old fart. Um, yeah, well, the, the 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 red goatees don't get much gray. <laughs> yeah, and all you do is you lose your hair follicles, and then you end up shaving your head and looking like a, a bouncer or a Viking. Right. You know. You know. But it's you know it's I've been at it a long time, but you don't know you're at it. You just I've been uh, fishing, and I've been in the fishing industry for many years. Long time. I've had uh, sponsorships now. I'm, going on uh, 25 years um, with my first industry sponsorship, real sponsorship. And um, I didn't even know what that was when it happened. <laughs> I, I didn't even read it. I just signed it. Sure. <laughs> okay. That sounds home. great. I, oh, wait a minute. I'm not only do I get stuff, I get money here. And, and you're like, Oh, wow. And I remember Heather saying, Hey, can you get more of those? <laughs> yeah. So sure. how did it how did it get started? Like, were you were you guiding back then, or tournament yeah, fishing, well, and yeah. or both? A, a little bit of everything. I've uh, just fished and never really did tournaments in the beginning. I not that just never thought of it. You know, you're just surviving and taking people out, and um, and then I had uh, a little a place with cabins on the highway at the time, and. The tournament fishermen always came to my place because, you know, they they didn't have much money by the end of the, the tournament if they didn't win. <laughs> right, yeah, for so sure. I remember some of them had, like, didn't have anything. And so, you know, like, yeah, just catch me next time. So it wasn't very profitable at that cabin rental place. But uh, they talked me into doing a tournament, and I went out, and I'm like, man, I didn't win. But, you know, when you end up second through fourth place, you get a nice check. So you go in with a small amount, make it bigger, and I'm like, boy, this is great. And I remember fishing the FLW league when it was around and the Winnie walleye trail. And I won a Winnie walleye trail. And then the FLW league, I remember going and fishing like Mille Lacs and different areas and ended up getting angler of the year on the, the league. And I'm like, well, this stuff, this ain't that hard. And, uh, and then I f- found out later. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always, it's, when it's your day, it's your day, and uh, even in the FLW Walleye Tour, um, I was consistent. And then later, say a couple of years ago in the NWT, I had you know maybe one check and then 
finished like in the 50s, and it's so easy to do that. If you don't have an absolutely perfect day every day, you're down the charts. But, you know, as long as I don't get so far that you have to turn the page upside down to find me right away. Um, but as far as that, I've always been an ice fisherman and, and after ice, and I love panfish. They're my favorite fish, oh. and I've guided for for muskies, for walleyes. And in the beginning, I guided for panfish more than I do. Uh, then I've, I've kind of, uh, kind of, I don't really guide for panfish. I don't push panfish. Uh, in the wintertime, we might go for crappies or perch and then finish off on walleyes. But in, in open water, it's walleyes every day. That's what I do. And walleyes, you get the phone calls for walleyes. If you're like, oh, panfish this, musky that, you kind of get just like this mixed bag and you're never really on top of the schools and you can't stay on the muskies when you're not chasing them nonstop. Um, though, you know, hummingbird side imaging really helps, but <laughs> they stay yeah. like a sore thumb. But uh, in, the, yeah. in the beginning, we didn't have any of that. We we, we had uh, basically nothing. We, there was a Loran C uh, with, a, a, with a little antenna you'd stick up and there'd be a dot on the screen and a little triangle. And that was so rudimentary. Um, but I remember back when they started mapping stuff and they had the first map of Winnie before it came out. That was amazing. You're like, wow, that's what it looks like. And then you go to this, this sandbar point or this rock pile and you're like, oh, there's a saddle to another one. And you go over there and you open it up and there's fish there all day. Everywhere you go, you just play in with this cartoon. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, from one spot to another. And then Lake Master was just amazing. And then the next winter, all those spots were open before you ever got to them. And so the, the B spots were the, the new spots. But after many years and um, just helping out people in the industry, when you're in fishing, you meet people in fishing. And, and writers and TV people – they need fishermen because they can't just go on the show and it's about them. They, they, they don't know the location. Right. And a lot of times writers need, they need a muse. They need somebody. So that stuff just happened. And I don't, it's one of those things. I've been at it a long time and I, and I, we've been working so hard and, and doing the, the bro road show for so many years. Time just flies. And you go from one thing to another to another, and you don't have time to think about what you did. You just you just been there for a long time, and and um, but it's 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 been great, you know, for anybody that's thinking about getting in the fishing industry. You you could be the next personality, and I always I've always said we need as many personalities in fishing as we can get. Um, if your heart's not in it, don't get it. It you know don't don't become a pro fisherman, and then you know, just to clog up the system. But if you, if you really love fishing and you want to do it, definitely do it. And so I'm, I want to just tell people that you can, you can do it. It's just stay, stay at it. And, um, if you have sharp elbows and want to run it like a business, you could probably go really far or you could, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have nice people in fishing. And I always remember those people, at the boat ramp that say hi. And I was always one that would go up and talk to people. Uh, I'm a people person and kind of a, a talker. I never was a talker, but I am now. <laughs> and, 
I always like to visit with people. I like to hear their stories and it's very interesting. Um, and you'll, you'll hear different angles and things that they've done and wow, that's really cool. And, and so that turned into, because of that, you know, I, I, I went from getting sponsorship at Northland fishing tackle to, um, you know, to, um, being with ice team in the beginning when they had two skews of houses, they had a, they had a cabin and a flip style. And I was more the, the two person house person and got to fish with Dave Gans and Dennis Clark. And he was the original owner of USL. They made deer stands and stuff. And then with that came, you know, it was nice, you know, having, a house whenever I needed it and a tricked out sled. And then as time passed, I, you know, wanted to try something different, you know, that became big and they're real successful in corporate. I, I went to a, a little family mom and pop spot called Frable and uh, Frable and Northland tackle and always was with Aquaview from the beginning, uh, which changed hands and actually became a better product than ever. They they kind of created the category and made stuff that that um, no one else made in Hummingbird. Um, but the whole time, um, I've had a lot of different boats. Um, I got sponsored by Ranger Boats, and it's I'm still a Ranger guy right now today. And so I've uh, I've got a great great stable of sponsors. Um, you could pinch me, but I. <laughs> you know, Minn Kota, Altera, Talon, uh, Humminbird, Aquaview, Northland Fishing Tackle, and Bagley, uh, Crankbaits, um, you know, just everything. That's you know, a solid Dubrow, team. That's a solid. Fish Monkey, yeah. Frable, Plano, Gamma Katsu. You know, having Gamma Katsu as a sponsor, I'm, I, I was just like, really? how much money I spent on Gamma Cats. It was just so nice to pick them up. Right. And, uh, so it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a dream come true and, uh, not, a, not a, a pro hunter or nothing, just fishing. And I, I love panfish, but I, I kind of make my, my bills with walleyes and uh, walleyes are always going to be around big panfish aren't. And I'm kind of a, I like to preserve them as much as possible. I have always, pushed throwing big bluegills back we, we we threw them back when you know people would get upset that you did it you yeah. know why you doing that my dad taught me that uh large bluegills are becoming rare and they you just can't keep them keep up keep them mediums you don't have to keep tiny ones just keep keep them a little less so i don't i don't keep bluegills over nine inches eight inches eight inches are perfect eating they're perfect and you know for a forkful of meat don't wreck the fishery yeah they're um, not like tons and tons. They're little colonies, and when they dump into the basin, you're just wiping out different weed beds around the lake, you know. And I like that the state is starting to. Um, they're going to experiment with some more restrictive, you know, limits and on a couple of different lakes. But man, I, I wouldn't be opposed to a, a statewide, um, like maximum size limit. You know, the same way we yeah. treat a lot of the other fish. You know, it's like everything under. You know, with the bluegill, you could say everything under nine inches. You yeah. Can keep anything under nine inches and two over, you know, because, you know, if you get too giant, you know, you catch an 11 
or something, you know, or or eleven plus, and you want to put some on the wall. I'm not opposed to that. You know, you keep yeah. you keep two of those from time to time. You're not really going to do too much damage to the fishery. Um, but for the for your most of your limit, it has to be under under nine. I mean, that's yeah. I think that's, I, I, think, I think that's more than fair. I mean, a nine incher, you know, an eight and seven eighths. That's a that's a good gill. Yeah, and and you know if if it's if it starts getting close, then I I'll toss it. But it, it's just got to be under nine, and we don't need any more than you know five for us uh, petite. But uh, now it's, I, I did some of the panfish meetings in the beginning when they first started, and I've been a little bit too busy to do them the last couple of years. But one of the toolboxes I suggested was uh, one fish over nine, and um, you know, and then. Let, let there be some lakes that the big fish fry people. If my grandkid can't buy and buy a license, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, have your lakes. <laughs> but now when you get on this lake that we want to cherish and just enjoy catching these fish that spin in circles, but maybe pick them up and look at them, you know, maybe take a, you know, bite them a little bit, throw them up in the air like a baby and then let them go. We just absolutely <laughs> love bluegills and, if you want, you want the lake where you could just pile drive them, let them have those lakes. But let's have a few, and they got to be able to produce big bluegills. But there's, you know, most of the people at the meeting, or I should say, all of them, want to see bigger gills. There's a few that that won't go along with it, but that's fine. But if they do go to one of these other lakes, then we know that they're safe, you know. So, but one over nine is is hard to do because. First of all, you have to have law enforcement have to measure every one. Right. And if you got a pontoon full of four or five people, that just made it a big headache for them. And I think if we could figure out how to sweeten them into doing that, we could have it. But I'm saying not everywhere well, I because know. I don't want that. How, how much harder would it be? I mean, they already have size restrictions on other game fish. I mean, I don't know why yeah. it's any any harder, any more a pain in the ass to, to measure bluegills than it is to measure a walleye. I mean, what's I think it's the numbers, it's the high volume, and then they get they might have crappies because some people, you know, are just out to pile drive everything they can get. They pull up on a pontoon that's got, you know, 20, 30 crappies and then a huge pile of gills, and they might not be a one that goes over nine but then to, to measure it but i think i think it would be great if it was there like that because um you know they're just they're not in the high high numbers that in the past we've all thought that there there's this endless sea of fish there's there's not bluegills no. live in little colonies like this weed bed has a colony that weed bed and in that colony there's only a very small percentage that get really big and so when they they mix in the basin and deep water flats, not you know semi deep water on the mud or somewhere or on some edge, and they get hit, it just it just wipes out a whole area. But they're they're a little bit more fragile. But you get into like perch, uh, big perch, as long as they don't get too much pressure, they'll do well. In some lakes, they produce big perch because there's a lot of forage in them, and we're lucky here in Minnesota to have big jumbo perch and a jumbo perch truly is you know the size structure of a perch depends on um you know what what's what's available forage and and spawning habitat and you know some lakes seem to have everything but they just don't get big perch well they're missing something you know right. and 
you know, whether it's a basin food, insect life, um, crayfish in the summer, but we have a couple dozen productive producing lakes that always kick out jumbo perch and jumbo perch is in the eye of the beholder. Some people think a nine inch or an up is a jumbo perch. Typically people from out of state. Yeah. That's a nice keeper. (laughs) That's a nice keeper. Yeah. And to me, we've always thought jumbo perch were fish 11 and up and that's just being around it for so many years. And, and, um, in seeing fish up to 13 and a half and out of all the fish I've seen for many, many, many years, other than Malax or Lake of the Woods, a true fish that actually touched 14 inches. I hear it all the time. I would have to measure it mouth closed, tail pinched. I have seen countless 13 to 13 and three quarters in the past, but now fast forward to now the last five years, I'm seeing 14, 14 and a half inches, but not very many, but they're getting bigger in our lakes. Uh, we've had longer growing season, you know, as the farmers say, we have the same uh, growth season as Texas because we have really long, hot summers. Um, there's that. And then invasives, you know, uh, rusty crayfish are just that extra protein that really helps make some big sure. perch on Malax. Lake of the Woods has Rusties, you know. Um, we don't like it. Malax, oh, Malax, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Malax seems oh. to had taken a shot. Um, like the jumbles had kind of disappeared there for a long time. And now the last yeah. few years, I'm starting to see a few a few more getting caught every year. So they're kind of slowly coming back. And also the eel pout, too, went MIA for a long time. And I'm starting to see people catch eel pout in Malax. So you know, while we're trying to juggle this big circus act that is Malax, um, I feel like we're not looking in the right place. I feel like there's a canary in the coal mine. We just haven't found the canary. And I, I it might be the perch and the, the burbot kind of pointing to a, a bigger issue somewhere down the food line, you know, somewhere down the. the oh, yeah. Well, the, there's so much food. Where did lake. they go? Where where did the big perch and where did the, in the eel pulp, they kind of disappeared at the exact same time. And well, now they're and, climbing back, so why? We don't have any special well, regulations on either of those fish, so. Well, eel pout, they've done telemetry studies on a bad medicine lake, and basically when pout, when a spot gets hit for eel pout and gets repeatedly hit, they get what's there, and it takes a, a long time for them to come back. And the reason people are catching so many pout in the last couple of years, pout have gone crazy. But they're finding that areas are getting fished out. They, they they don't just swim to another area. They imprint on an area, and that's their area. Mm. So every time someone finds a new area, and they hammer them, and then they want to relive it, well, you ain't going to relive it because it's a limited resource. It's like yeah. a moose, you know. Um, but so there's that. And, and then with lack of eel pout, people just stop fishing for them, even up at Lake of the Woods. But then also eel poke get eaten by everything in the lake. Oh, yeah, they don't have spines. I mean, they're like just a big wet noodle down there. Yeah. 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 And so now you take uh, perch. You know, the the more teeth in the lake, the less perch there are. You know, you take the biomass of walleyes in northern pike on a given Malax or Winnie or Leech Lake. When that biomass rises, another biomass drops, and that it's it's always been that way as far as perch. 
we have a killer year class of perch, little ones. And you're like, there's going to be so many big perch here. And five years go by, eight years go by, and they're still not there because they're just getting pounded by. And a a slot walleye is not going to just eat little perch. They're going to eat, you know, just talking to experts, large lake specialists, they're going to, they're going to eat something big. If they're going to exert an effort, they're going to wolf down a, a jumbo perch and pike are big time perch eaters. And so you can only have so much of, of a good thing. And when there was less big walleyes in the systems, there was more big perch. You go back to all the lakes yeah. in the, uh, you know, 20 years ago, they all had big perch. All of them did. And, and they had, there's less walleyes. And so you got to pick and pick what you want in your big aquarium, you know, as a fish and, a good mix, you know, some lakes are run as a trophy fishery, like Malaxa slots, Winnie has slots, uh, Lake of the Woods has slots, and some are very successful. But as you grow bigger fish, and it takes a long time to really get these fish that are 25 inches and bigger or even 28, um, it, it, it does take down the other side. And with Red Lake, when they netted out mature walleyes, uh, and even, you know, found values and other fish that would end up in there they dropped their hoop size and kind of strained everything out well then then the uh, the crappies had a chance then they had a a killer spawn and they just grew so it's it's what what does the public want and you know if if everybody gets together and that's where men fish helps you know there's actually an organization that's keeping an eye on things um definitely your voice can be heard there, you know, what, what you'd like to see. And not everybody wants the same thing. We all want good fishing. We all want really good fishing, but you know, maybe like eel pout, it can't be limitless, you know. Oh, remember back in the day, they used to just throw them on the ice. I mean, they were just, they used to throw them on the ice. Littered on the lacks everywhere. I mean. They Even guides up here that have played a good role in the eagle recovery because the eagles were just feasting yeah. on those things all winter long. Oh, they, 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 there were so many up there. And, and even back with commercial netting and taking this, you know, walleye nets and throwing sturgeon on shore, you know, and and throwing eel pout and, and then garbage pickup. The resort owner would, oh, I got to go pick up garbage and he'd have a truck full of eel pout. Well, now you don't see that. You know, there's, yeah. there's, uh, it's, you can only fit so much into a, a system and, and you'll pout, you know, they call it poor man's lobster. Well, it really is. If you truly try it and, and get over the thought of that slimy fish, it's a fish that targets and eats crayfish. So it's, th- that's their main thing. They will eat other things. That's why they bite on a, you know, buckshot spoon and Middle a fathead. Head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but most of the time, it's crayfish. I mean, if you got something that rattles or if you're hitting the bottom, they're going to come over thinking it's a crayfish. And if you keep pounding the bottom and you're on a sandbar on Lake of the Woods, you're either going to get a pout or you're going to get a sturgeon because they eat crayfish. And, or, you know, third fish would be a sauger because they, they pound crayfish too. But, uh, um, yeah, there's, there's you know, it's, it, it all depends on what people want in a fishery. And we have some tremendous fisheries. But we have some that are hurting a little bit, uh, and uh, we got to treat them like what they are. They're precious. And and you and I talked about rock bass. I mean, there's so many rock bass, and they're so healthy. And and uh, there's there's a lot of fish. And 
a lot of people would never target them, but everybody knows where there's a big rock bass. Yeah, and that's what, that's probably one of those species, right? That somebody probably catches a state record every year, and they just like, ah, it's a rock bass, and they throw it back. You know, oh yeah, like, they just they don't get any respect whatsoever. Um, they're the one of they're the Rodney Dangerfield of the panfish world for sure. I love yeah. them. They bite readily. I mean, I catch them all the time, incidentally. You know, you're flipping a, a jig or a Senko under a dock, and I'm always surprised at the size of a lure that they can get all the way in their mouth. And oh, yeah. It's you're, just you're, crazy. You're flipping a 3 8 ounce brush jig, you know, under a dock, and you feel a little tick, and you set the hook, and you're like, oh, there's a dinker, and it's not, this is a rock bash. You're like, what in the heck, dude? Hungry. Holy smokes. Yeah. Well, they're, you know, they're they're <clears throat> great for kids to learn to fish. Cause they, they'll bite and they'll bite again and again when they're sitting under a dock and, and, uh, but there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of resource out there and a lot of interesting things. Sturgeon really has caught on huge, um, population, uh, gets larger, you know, in rainy river, Lake of the woods and, uh, St. Croix river and, and even over Otter tail Lake, I don't think you could even target them over there, but, that the, all that stuff's going to be phenomenal, and they're they're going up and down through the whole system, rush and every other lake because you know they're interconnected with yeah. the river systems. Yep. So, and in some places they're doing um, they're taking out those old style dams, those little four foot style dams, and they're putting in more fish mm-hmm. ladder type stuff. Um, yeah, in a few of these lakes, and I think that's huge too. I mean that oh, that's allowing is. those fish to to get back and travel the entire length of their the waterway that you know they've historically had, and and one of the lakes I'm talking about is Cross Lake here in, uh, in Pine County, just a little bit north of me. Um, you know, that has a dam on it, and that's responsible for the water being in Cross Lake and in Pekegmo, and they're connected by the Snake River. It's like, well, if you just take that out, those lakes are going to, you know, drain down quite a bit. So yeah. what they did is they kind of put that tiered system in. You know, they kept that elevation the same, but then elongated the dam, in air quotes, so that now it's just like a long rapids run. So it's still yeah. holding back the same amount of water, but now the fish are able to, they can get up and down it. As, well, sturgeon as can go up like a bullet. Sturgeon, suckers, northern pike, and uh, walleyes make it. You know, you just, you wonder, hey, you know, can, can walleyes make it? Well, they've been swimming oh, sure. back and forth under lock and dam number three for many years up to Hastings and back down through the dam and, and some of them can make it through several dam systems. So, um, you know, walleyes, even those great big ones, once they once they get their energy, they can they could push through. And uh, so the the fish will make it. And uh, but you know, as far as ice fishing goes, it's right right on our doorstep this year. A little, oh, quite a bit earlier, weeks Can't earlier. Wait. Some years it takes till. You know, thanks. Usually by Thanksgiving we can get on the ice in northern Minnesota, but. Uh, some years it takes, you know, maybe even to the first week, the St. Paul ice show. Yeah. And, but always, you know, North, far North Dakota or, uh, the UP or something has a few lakes or we hit, might have some skim ice and some shallow stuff, but this year we might see ice during deer season in different areas and, uh, people are chomping at the bit, but oh, yeah. whatever you do, make sure you're on safe ice. Don't fall through. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the, the world is watching and just waiting yeah. for an ice an ice fish oh, yeah. ice fisher to make a mistake. That, and, yeah, they love it. So if you're on the always ice, don't show thin ice. Make sure you you measure it for the 
for the people in Facebook land that it's uh, what the, the DNR wants, which is four inches of ice. Uh, if not, don't, you know, don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for four inches. <laughs> I bring a spud bar. Have a spud, we'll yeah. travel. Oh, absolutely. Um, buddy you system, get your ice bikes. You know, if you got a floating ice suit, that's a good idea too. If not, there's nothing against saying you can't just throw a regular life jacket on, you know. Not that I push it that much where I think I would mm-hmm. need that, but um, I've fished on, you know, if there's not snow and you can see the ice, good, two inches of good, clear ice. I'm 6'4", about 190. So I, I've not – I've fished on two inches a lot and so far never had a problem. But I don't just – sprint out there either you know i go very slow i take my time very methodical uh it's not a it's definitely not a careless act like i'm definitely being very cautious but four yeah i'll sprint on four <laughs> yeah four I, i'm waiting for four inches of ice uh, the, i um i don't like taking uh cold baths and uh <laughs> no thankfully i haven't yet knock on wood but and there's been such inconsistencies in the last few winters in the freeze up, and uh, I have found areas that had thinner ice that oh, yeah. don't typically normally have thin ice, and it's just um, consistency. If it's if there's four inches of ice and it's consistent, and then early ice is always a lot of work. I'm always drilling the entire way to make sure that it's consistent, and uh, when I when it gets time to take uh, machines or drive. Uh, that's a two-person thing we have uh you know either a little four-wheeler or snowmobile and we have a uh inflatable that we could just pull the cord and inflate but i always drill the holes i'm the mule and then heather (laughs) will drive up i'll waver up to the spot but never passed it and then so nebulous is it's kind of a neat little thing and um i i when as soon as they came out with them i got one right away just to be ultra safe and you could strap it to your machine and then you have a way if something happens uh to get your machine back too you know so um but we never take any chance and i notice too once i've have everything drilled then everybody goes oh yeah (laughs) once somebody yeah once you got a trail breaker they're like oh green light let's go i'll take pictures of uh how far i drill because no one believes it but picture shows you know Every every place I fish, I drill the whole way. The only place I don't have to do it is Lake of the Woods because when they have a stake stake trail, um, they've been out there and they've done that. And uh, I still like to snoop and check. I get off the trail and then I'll check it and drill it and see what kind of depending on the shove ice. But we've had some real crazy crazy stuff. And uh, but yeah, you know if 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 you have all the precautions, nothing's going to happen. Obviously, and uh, and light gear light boots uh you know i use uh light bibs and i hardly ever wear a coat unless i'm you know going to be sitting idle but uh little, little tiny house little sentinel for frable and then and just go you just uh i'm i'm, I'm ready let's yeah, I don't, let's I hardly ever use a house i mean my my flip over is is used to carry my stuff and even that, now I'm getting to the point where it's like, what I can pack in my bibs. If I if it can't go my bibs, do I really need it? <laughs> you know, I've, I I just move around so much. Oh yeah, well no, it's it's good, you know, to 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 be a speed bucket, you know, and you could actually trick them out. People have buckets with all their electronics <laughs> attached to them, and I um 
sometimes I like to flip the house over and sight fish with my eyes. If or I use a, a little little uh, aqua view that you can fit in your pocket and you wind up like a reel. Um, you know, down yeah, viewing. Yeah, those are fun. You know, so you don't get a sore neck, and then. Um, but as far as moving, it's it's fun to move, and it's uh, you know if you don't want to if you don't want to uh, have to carry everything, a light, super light fish house is like a little tackle box. Oh yeah, one of you the know? first ones I got was um, well, I started off with, like the suitcase style. I think it was a. a was it Chappelle? Is that the, yeah, I think that's the name, but it was a Chappelle suitcase aisle, and uh, that did great for many, many years. And then when I started getting more mobile, and then I went to the, I had a Frable Recon, and man. That oh, thing, there you go. That little thing was like, dude, I love that little thing. I I still have it. I mean, it's just like, it's if I need to get yeah, out just, of the wind, it's right there, and, and mm-hmm. it's just so small and light. You know, some of those big two-man things, and they got the, Big padded bass seats and this and that, and you got a heater in it. And it gets heavy. You get some wet snow, and you're and you the ice isn't big enough for like a four wheeler, and you got to pull that thing out. That's a lot of work. Yeah, that's that's a large lake um, special there, and you know with uh, the nice, you know the the bad thing uh, is the weight. The nice thing is for people who don't fish very much, clients or or uh, friends, um, it's real comfortable for them and. But if, if you're not driving out or you don't have it in the back of a four-wheeler or on a snowmobile or dragging it with a sled or on your pickup, it's it's too much. And, you know, with uh, everybody's got a fish house now. So oh, yeah. it doesn't, everybody calls, well, we have all the gear. And, uh, you know, it's it's all about the spot, you know. But the um, it's it's always good to have stuff in. If if there's something you want to get this year, you better get it early. Oh man! Because uh, there's going to be a lot of people fishing this year, and stuff's going to sell out super fast. Uh, there's the St. Paul Ice Show ain't happening uh, a lot of the shows, but for obvious reasons. Um, but it's um, you know it's it's definitely you want to get the stuff, and there's going to be a lot of interesting things coming up. Uh, the Bro Road Show this year. Uh, you know, I don't want to be infected and go get a whole bunch of people sick if I'm going to go talk to 2,000 people. Yeah, right. So we're going to do it virtually this there year. There you go. We got the College of Ice coming up, uh, live streaming on Frayville. And uh, my uh, my co-host is going to be Steve Panaz from sure. Lake Commando. And we're going to have, uh, you know, guests and, and uh, talk to stores. Where can you get this stuff? And factory people from... Hummingbird Aquaview, uh, Northland Fishing Tackle, uh, just like the Bro Roadshow was my my stable sponsors. Uh, but we're going to have guests from all over. It's not just about where we fished. It's about where the guests fish. And we're going to have guests from U- uh, Flaming Gorge, Utah, uh, Detroit. We even got, uh, I didn't know he fished, but we're going to have Kevin Van Dam on the show. Oh, yeah. He, he gets out once in a while, I guess. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but that's 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 something kind of taking place of the Bro Road Show. You know, uh, in that virtual realm, uh, because the St. Paul Ice Show got canceled and the mm-hmm. the Hard Water Expo. Um, so myself with Full Scale Outdoors and Doug Glimmerveen from Smackdown Outdoors podcast and Patrick Olson from the Lone Angler, uh, we're getting together and we're doing a 
like a virtual live ice show. So we've got a oh, we've got cool. tons of we got most of the big names. They're all lined up and uh, we've got them scheduled out, and so they're gonna pop on, and uh, we'll just do a little online thing, and they can kind of show their wares. You know, give them twenty minutes piece to kind of run through all their stuff and sure kind of interview people. It's gonna go on for three days. Um, it's gonna be pretty cool. That'll be fun. I, I yeah, think I'm I'm, I'm on with uh, Doug. Oh, okay. During Great. That time. So I'm already, I'll be back. <laughs> First, perfect, perfect. Is that uh, who are you representing for that? Uh, it'll be Northland Fishing. That's tackle. Northland. Okay. Yeah, I think yep. he's a pro staffer for Northland too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, that'll be awesome. Yeah. No, it's 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 a different year, and but uh, one thing you know, fishing has really been on the map, and and hunting. You know, there's been quite a few duck hunters, grouse hunters. Um, and diehard fishermen that you've never seen before. So it's it's just great to see people getting out and and enjoying life. And uh, you know, it's too bad it took something to the scale of uh, reality to, right. to get people back to their roots. But I don't see anybody turning back now because they they're back in in their fishing roots or or maybe starting new roots in fishing. And it's uh, it's going to be a fun year. Well, and I've been trying to um, help promote. You know, other people like this is a good time. You have somebody that comes to you and they're curious. Like they didn't grow up fishing, they didn't go up hunting, but because of this pandemic, I've had multiple people come talk to me. You know, when there was a toilet paper shortage and people are freaking out, and they kind of, you know, they they projected it out. And they're like, if this becomes more than just a toilet paper shortage, I'm screwed. I don't know how to procure my own food in the wild. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't know anything. So people have reached out to me, and. As all outdoorsmen right now, we have a golden opportunity. There's been record number of license sales, both fishing and hunting, and people are curious about it. And all the people that were kind of on the fence, you know, you, a lot of your big urban center areas, reach out. And if you got an open spot in your boat, your duck boat or your fishing boat or your ice house or whatever, invite some of these people out because these are all going to be allies down the line. And when certain pieces of legislation come across the desk that might not be so favorable towards sportsmen we're going to have more allies we're going to have more voices at the table and i think that's huge so absolutely um, so that's that's what uh like men fish right away uh they uh they had a uh they really pushed hard and they got uh they got the guiding season started um it was looking pretty bad but um and um Especially when we're outside and we're right. safe. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I got to thank them for doing that. And uh, but yeah, it's 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 going to be good. And everybody, get out, get out and fish. And yeah, if there's ever if if society is not going to collapse, uh, the the rich people don't want that, and the poor <laughs> people don't either. Nobody but, wants uh, that. That's not nobody good for wants anybody. That. So it's it. Definitely embrace fishing and hunting, and it is fun to eat something natural. Oh, gather, yeah. gather your food, whether it's fish or game or morels or or toadstools, whatever. You know, <laughs> don't you know, eat the red. Don't toward. eat the red and white ones. Don't eat the red and white ones, and <laughs> you know. But uh, definitely check that stuff out. But no, it's, it's been it's been fun talking, and I'm. It sounds like you're on the same page as I am. You just love fishing and being oh, out absolutely. there. Absolutely. Before I cut you loose here, real quick, I, what I did want mm -hmm. to ask you about, the, like the first time you had some input 
and you got to like stamp your name on something like the bro bug. Mm-hmm. Like, how was that? Like, what was your reaction oh, to that? I, I actually, uh, when I designed it, um, John said, well, we're going to call it the bro bug. And I'm like, wow. I said, you don't have to do that. They're like, yeah, yeah, we do. Because if it fails, it's on you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So, and, it, and it's funny too, because, uh, it was, it was awesome. And there's still people that have the original one and we wanted something with a larva look. And it was, it was so extremely different to anything back then. You couldn't get too wild or crazy. And right, so yeah. having something that looks so alien, but what it was is an emerging insect. So the old term I used to say, match the hatch mm-hmm. is, uh, that's everything. And, you know, then we came out with the mud bug, the gill getter, you know, and then the bloodworm came, which is on the along the the plastics line in the bloodworm, and then I designed a skeleton minnow. And probably out of all the the bloodworm, I've caught so many fish on, and I've caught them in every state without any bait um, on a mud bug head or a gill getter. But the skeleton minnow is my favorite. And uh, you know, you talk to Corey Schmidt from In Fisherman; that's his favorite. Or Jeff Simpson, all these people in Matt Straw, he loves that one. It's it's a uh, it's really a, a, a bloodworm, but you, you can only use the word bloodworm so many times, so we call it skeleton. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> and, you know, and you're a bass guy, so you know ringworm head, yeah, with a real fragile skeletal uh, tail to a little to to two little cilia. Instead of you know, real bloodworms have a little mop of like three or four cilia. We just put two on there. That's all you need. And, and that thing has come through for me so many times on real tough bites. And I've had a lot of them bit in half, but hey, it goes with the territory. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to do? I mean, how far have we come with soft plastics? I mean, those things are damn oh. near damn near looking like real bugs now. Absolutely. And I'm a and soft so, plastic fiend. Like, I don't use live bait very often. No, I, you know, and I have to bring it because it's, it's, if you're not fishing, just fun fishing. I'll take the chance, but if I got clients that they waited all year to go fishing with me, I'm going to have every possible right meat or weapon. And bait shops love me because I never go through and and talk to them for an hour and then walk out with a tin of wax worms. I uh, I'll get different smattering of minnows. You never know; you might want to drop a big minnow down to keep the bluegills around because they they get curious and they want to pull its eyes out. Uh, you want to have waxworms maggots um you know maybe if you're you know in fados they might even have shrimp yeah you could buy freshwater shrimp yep. or a, uh it's it, it's it's always been cool and we definitely got to keep the bait shops going because uh so when you go there don't just stand there for two hours and then buy like waxworms for dollar 99 because <laughs> look what your gas costs come on yeah right you know well minnesota <laughs> anglers i think i've said this before i think they're the cheap at minnesota sportsmen in general i think are the cheapest people on the planet like they don't oh, well, i mean I, yes and no like they will spend thousands of dollars on gear but when it comes mm-hmm. to like live bait they get irate when it comes to license fees they oh. lose their mind and yeah. it's like come on guys like this i do is, have a client that on his way up he said, well, I got, I, I spent a lot of my way up and, uh, I'm like, well, what he bought a brand new, I ain't going to say the name, but a brand new big glass boat with a 300 horse and a 
and a and a duck bolt with a uh, a weed chopping motor on the back and <laughs> like yeah that's excessive yeah you did <laughs> on the yes, way up you did that's that's quite the impulse purchase <laughs> yes it is yeah so yeah all, by all means uh, well, make gonna... sure you go in there and you buy lots of stuff at the bait shops because they need us in everywhere you know and sometimes even when I'm guiding I'll stop at a couple different bait shops on my way. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. You've got grassy shiners? I'll take them. Yeah. You know? There's certain things that make me happy. And besides plastics, it's really good bait because you know you're going to get bit. Yep. And I need to, honestly, I need to throw it back into my arsenal. Uh, I'll be starting my third year at Minnesota Made Outdoors Tournament League. And thankfully, we did, you know, we did well last year. We came in second overall, which doesn't get you a paycheck, but it's, you know, it's, Second out of a lot of teams. That's great. That's uh, yeah, awesome. I was, we're super proud of the season we had last year. Uh, but man, Team One ran away with it. Nick and Leaf just like pfft, dominated. They went first, first, second, first. I mean, it's pretty hard to catch. Pretty hard to catch a team that's just fishing that that good. Uh, and they're live. They use live bait, or they use at least a mix of live bait and plastic. So it's like, well, that's a reality shot to me. You know, I, I kind of prided myself as somebody that was really good with plastics. And it's like, but I'm, but am I missing bites? Am I not getting some bites? Because in a tournament scenario and or in a guiding scenario, clients, it's like you said, these, some of these people come from a long ways. You want to make sure that yeah. they catch fish. Am I leaving fish in the lake that I could be putting on the ice because I'm not using bait? So this year, I will have bait on me, and I'm actually going to well, use it. And that it. reminds me of just a quick <laughs> little story, too, because um, I remember in the past, and I'm a – I'm a minnow snob, and I remember a long time ago, like maybe 20 to 30 years ago, that some bait shops actually sifted up micro shiners. So these were young-of-the-year shiners, and they were selling them as slivers. And those little tiny shiners on on lakes that have really big crappies, oh, and you're fishing after dark on one- to two-pound test, they just they, they would just, just destroy them. And... You know, between that and we talked about shrimp and and uh, just there's there's so many things out there. I don't have very many butterworms or anything like that, but I do use night crawlers through the ice and I do use red worms through the ice. Uh, and if, if anybody out there hasn't used night crawlers or red worms through the ice, well, well they don't stop working just yeah, because there's yeah. ice. I, could, I bet little red worms would be dynamite. And anywhere where there's like bloodworms coming out of the mud. Well, yeah, they, they work really well, even just on a on a hook and a split shot, drop shot. Um, and then, you know, you go up to Lake of the Woods, I mean, or Molax, which is full of mud flats, and there's coronamids and all kinds of hexes in there and all the stuff that is nightcrawler-esque. Well, a chunk of nightcrawler on a buckshot yeah. isn't a bad deal. Right. And if, if you if you want to be prepared, cut them into little, little uh, chunks – so all you got to do is grab it and put it on your treble hook and drop it down, and uh, it's it, it works really well. And, and probably, <clears throat> excuse me, it's probably giving off a different scent too. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. if you're in a heavily pressured, you know, sometimes you got to think outside the box, throw them something they haven't just got beaten over the head with for a while. Um, well, yeah, and it's bleeding. It's, the thing's bleeding. It's blood and its guts all over. So there's a little cloud of, you know, that's going to make the fish's mouth water as you're setting the hook. <laughs> yeah. Up. Well, and the other thing, this, you get, shh, keep this one on the down low because some people still don't think these work, but 
I was literally given as many mud minnows as I wanted from the, yeah. this local bait shop. So like, well, these are garbage. You know, I was like, there was a sucker and a, and a shiner shortage and they were just, you know, trapping every pond they possibly could. So they were getting a ton of these mud minnows and they actually had separated them out as like junk. And I'm like, I'll take as many of those as you'll give me. Cause once they said they're, he's like, well, you can just have those. I'm like, I'll take as many as you can put in a bag. And I went up to, yeah. I went up to Mille Lacs and just pounded them. I got a Northern Pike on my wall that I caught on one 42 inches. Yeah. So, um, fish love them. They, shoot, they don't have, them, they don't have spines. There's no, they're just a, they're a different colored fathead I mean, and they don't yeah. die. Those things are like, they stay alive forever. Fish love tadpoles too, but the problem, you know, the big tadpoles problem is they're so soft, you know, you'll just, you'll just get a light bump and well, wait a minute, there's nothing on my jig yeah, anymore. Right. Pull them off like a little piece they of lick them off the jig. <laughs> yeah. But they, they, they love them. And, uh, you know, it, the old days, you know, water dogs was a big rave. Everything was a big oh, rave, yeah. but now it's whatever you can get. You know, I mean, yeah. frogs work really well, even in the, if, you, if you can get them and you can use them any time of the year, they work. And pike root them up up on yeah. Lake of the Woods out of the I'll bottom. Walleyes do the same thing. They'll root up, uh, you know, hibernating frogs. Yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah, you're gonna have to try bait because you know if you're not worried about other people but when i go even for myself i gotta have some with and you know i'll I'll get some i definitely order some uh, red maggots from vados and why do i get red because i keep asking them to make black maggots because (laughs) a lot of your insect life is black right yeah and and they said it'd be hard to sell something that looks like it's dead yeah and probably true but red turns black if it gets deep enough so yeah exactly so but red red has just been a good good color and you can get a mixed bag and well i usually do have some euros and waxworms on me when i go out but i don't use them that's the problem i need to start Mm -hmm. i need to start making a point to to use them and at least if i'm fun fishing or i'm pre-fishing just to see if there is you know fish with plastic for an hour and then switch over to the euros and see if there's a a marked difference you know well it's it and it's it's not you know it's not bass master you can use bait when you're out fishing on right the ice. yeah no yeah you can this is true and that's it's, it's the same with uh people dragging chubs on mille Lacs to catch bass you know if they're not touching anything out there and you just want to see one and touch one they hit <laughs> they just destroy them yeah you know yeah. so but uh no it's been real good talking to you and Everybody have a good winter, and you you uh, have a great winter too. Maybe we'll fish sometime if you're not su- su- super busy. Yeah, well, I usually am in the winter, but hopefully, yeah, running down the ice that'd be great. Definitely, uh, definitely come and say hi. Really appreciate it. This has been awesome. I could talk for hours. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. You be bet. safe. Have a good night. Bye. Yep. Yeah.